Let's get this sports podcast party started, all right? The J Reels Podcast. Why don't you wait until July 1st to make an announcement? What a disgrace. He can rack up all these numbers in October, November, and December, but what really counts is let me see this in January. The Sports Rebel Without a Pause, delivering fast-paced, jam-packed sports talk like no other. Listen, I gotta call it as I see it. He is not a good player. I'm sick and tired of having to deal with the disappointment of this franchise. When does it stop? And yes, another winter that I can sleep in peace. Coming correct, directed, in full effect. Let's get it. This is the J. Rose Podcast. Welcome aboard. What is happening, my good people? Greetings. How are you? How's it going? What's the latest and greatest? How's everybody doing out there? Hope everybody's feeling well as we're now into the Ides of June. The clock just keeps on ticking. So please, whatever it is that you're doing out there, stay productive, stay active, stay fit, stay healthy. And not just from a physical standpoint, but a mental, spiritual, and emotional, even psychological. Because all that is very important for you to try to get through your day to make sure that you just don't keep your head above water but that you swim to the shore and hopefully that whatever it is that you're going through will certainly get better and that's the best way to take the approach. My approach for right now is to deliver everything that's happening in the world of sports and you've come to the right place to listen to it all here on the latest edition of the J Reels Podcast. I am your host, J Reels. For my first timers, welcome aboard. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to this content. And for those who have been with me now for 137 episodes, I welcome you guys back. It's a Monday, June the 15th in the year of our Lord, 2020. The J Reels What's the Deal segment, what's expected here over the course of the next ah, 50 minutes to an hour is as follows. Some interesting news coming out of the NBA over the weekend where some players are hesitant to restart the season, which will take place in Orlando at the end of July. Kyrie Irving was the prominent player on this conference call on Friday where he's feeling that with everything that's going on in the country from a social injustice and police brutality standpoint that a lot of the players feel the need that they may not want to go back and play that they need to get their voice out there to continue the protest continue to put the pressure on the politicians on the state city and legal officials throughout the nation so very interesting take that uh, happened over the weekend which I will share later on as well as what's going on in the NFL you even have a coach that's on record of saying that he's going to take a knee with his players come the start of the National Anthem, and several other players that have come out and said that they're going to do the same. I talked about this a little bit last week, and I'll share a few more thoughts in reference to these coaches or this particular coach and the players that have come out against everything that's going on in this country and that will certainly take a knee for everything that's going on. We'll touch on that later on, as well as a golf tournament over the weekend that a lot of people may have gravitated to because it was an actual sport It was an event that took place, but because it was golf and it wasn't a major tournament, I certainly had zero interest. So for those who are wondering, well, hey, Jay Reels, we had sports of some level over the weekend. I know there was a NASCAR event that took place last night. You'll certainly get my two shiny red cents about that. And you also get my hero in zero of the week. But I have to start off this podcast discussing the latest strife and disagreement between the players and owners of Major League Baseball Because now the line has been drawn in the sand. I could go through all the proposals that have been thrown back and forth. How many games, what the owners want, what the players want, so on and so forth. But you know what? I'm just going to cut to the chase. What this boils down to right now is twofold. One, the players want 100% of their salaries 
no matter how many games are played. And even though the owners, I believe a couple weeks back, did propose a 50-game season with 100% salaries, prorated, of course, for those 50 games, but the players balked at that because they want more games because they want to get paid more. And they look at that as a slight on the owners to say, wait a second, you're willing to give us 50 games at full pay, but you can't tack on another 20, 30, and sometimes even 40 to 50 games more so we could have a whole season where you can't fulfill that 100% payment that we're requesting. And to me, that's the bottom line here. And the owners right now, they're going to have to stare deep, hard in the mirror to say if a season's going to jump off here, we're going to have to bow down to the players, which is unheard of when you think about it, considering what baseball has gone on going back to as early as the 1970s. And not to be a revisionist history, going to the 81 strike, the 94 strike, etc. But the thing is, if there's going to be a baseball season, and the commissioner, Rob Manfred, did say on Tuesday on MLB Network right before the baseball draft, his quote, 100% that there will be a season in 2020 as far as baseball is concerned. And right now, it's looking like it's not going to happen. Last week, I did say it is going to take place. My heart feels as if because there's not a collective bargaining agreement that needed to be reached, because remember, that's not until the end of next year, and we all know, come that time, that is going to be an all-out, as I like to say, Royal Rumble, and who knows if there'll be baseball played after 2021, but we're not going to worry about that now. Because it's collectively bargained that they have to play this year, and I get that a lot of this stems back to the March 26th agreement between the players and owners and what was conveyed by Tony Clark, the head of the Players Association, to the players. I'm sure that there was some information that was withheld. And therefore, this is one of the reasons why they are where they are at this point. But the players aren't going to budge here. So going back to number one, it's all about the 100% pay scale that they want for however many games they play. They would rather play more games because they want to get paid more, but only at 100%. And they're sticking to that. They're not even budging a millimeter. And then the second thing is, this is going to fall at the feet of Rob Manfred. He's going to have to make an executive decision sometime within the next, I'd say, couple of weeks, because whether the season's going to be 48 games, which would be an absolute abomination, same for 50 for that matter, but whether it's going to be anywhere between 48 to, let's say, 66 games, he's going to have to make a decision on this soon. Because as I highlighted last week, to get the players down to wherever they're going to be, whether that means they're going to be training in their home stadiums at each of their respective cities, or if they're going to incorporate some sort of hub, whether that's in Arizona or Florida, where they'll play in their spring training facilities or practice in their spring training facilities, they need to have that on the board or across the board And you would think that we would probably do this behind the scenes now just so that once they do come to an agreement that they could just have everybody jettisoned to their respective quarters and they could go ahead and get ramped up as far as the spring training or spring training part two is concerned. But the unlikelihood of that happening because you'll have weather issues in Florida when it comes to now you're in the hurricane season so you're going to have rain every day pretty much from now until November. And then in Arizona... As I said last week, you're going to have days 
that are going to be 110 in the shade, you're not going to have these players practice in oppressive heat to get themselves prepared for a 48 to 60 game season. So you have that to deal with. And then on top of that, let's add a third layer to it. The health protocol that these players are going to have to adhere to because we all know in certain states and considering Arizona, Florida in particular, how the coronavirus is coming back back with a vengeance because a lot of people in those regions feel as if, okay, well, coronavirus is over and now we can go back to our new normal and phase two and now we can go to bars and restaurants and gyms and back to the beach and all you've seen is the numbers spike up because the inhabitants of these aforementioned states, they think the new normal is just going back to the way it was prior to March 11th and therefore the numbers have spiked through the roof. Now, granted, we understand the baseball players, they're going to have to be quarantined in their own right. So it's not as if they're going to have the regular contact just like the rest of us do as far as going to restaurants or going to the store or whatever it is. But now you have a situation with baseball that they're not only just up against the clock, but is it going to be worth it for the owners and even more so worth it for the players to play a 48-game season, and who knows? One of the reasons why MLB and the owners, I should say, they came out and proposed that 50-game season with 100% salaries, prorated, of course. There were some players that even balked at that because they're not going to go back to risk their health and just risk playing 50 games for what? That's like an NFL season playing five games. And we understand that even at 60 games or 72 games isn't that much better, but it's certainly at least a little bit of a, more of a sample size than just 50 games. And this is also on the heels of Major League Baseball signing a billion-dollar deal with Turner to air playoff games, which they didn't disclose the length of the deal or what the value is, just at a billion-dollar deal. So we don't know if it's two, five, eight billion. I'm sure it's not eight, but you get my point. And who knows if that takes into effect this year, the following year, whatever it may be. But all this right now, when you look at the climate of this country and you see that the other two sports, in particular the NHL and the NBA, are looking to slowly but surely pick up where they left off, even though it's going to be four and a half months since that's taken place, but they're certainly doing the right things to try to get to the end here, to that finish line, for them to finally close the books on this season. Where baseball looks like they're off in the wilderness, nowhere near to get to the start line to have a 2020 season underway. And it's an atrocity. It really is. And I've said before, and I'll say again, I know the players aren't going to budge, and they're certainly not looking at the rest of the country knowing that there's 40 or over 40 million people filing for unemployment. They're just going to look out for themselves. That's not good. And then the owners, of course, the people are going to look at their side and say, well, they're greedy too because they don't want to pay the players their full salary. But here they are worth billions of dollars. They're franchises, of course. And I know I've been more pro-owner in this regard because if we all knew that revenue was going to be streamed from TV money, endorsements, or whatever it may be, then we could look at it and say, come on, if they're able to get that money coming in, then they could go ahead and pay these players. But when you know that 40% of the gate is based on participation from the fans, 
and everything that includes, which I've said time and time again, which I won't repeat, can the owners probably go somewhere in the coffers and pull out some money to go ahead and pay their players? I'm sure they can. And just based on that fact alone, it just shows how greedy they are. But when you expect to have fans in your building and knowing that you're going to have people come to park their cars and people come to be fed and to buy merchandise and you have luxury suites and even though food and all that's included, but we know that that's a pretty penny, then it's easy for the owner to just come out and say, sure, no problem, players will be paid 100%. But because the fans aren't there, that's where the problem lies. And I've said that time and time again. So therefore, I do sympathize a little bit with the owner there. So where the player, they would need to want to just bend just a little bit, but obviously they're not going to do that. Is it their right to do that? It is, but it doesn't make it right. And even with the proposals that have been thrown out there, I believe the last one, what was it? The owners proposed to the union a 76-game season with 75% of pay. And even they looked at that and they're like, nope, within minutes. They didn't even let it enter through one ear because by the time it even processed through the middle of the brain, they said, nope, we're not going to take it. So you couldn't even give them 10 minutes, let alone a day to sleep on it. And now it gets to the point where this is going to be as contentious as it possibly can. And who knows if you're going to have a season. And this is where, going back to Rob Manfred again, and I underline Rob Manfred, this is on him. He's going to have to coerce the owners to say, we need to put out a product this season. And if it's going to be even 65 or 66, you want to make it even. You don't want to make it 65 games because you have to have an even number there. 162, Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL is 82. So we get it that it has to be an even number. So when you are Rob Manfred and you have to get on this Zoom call or conference call with the other 30 owners to say, guys, we understand that we can't do anything about trying to even up it to 90% or 98%. They want the full 100%. Let's just give it to them this year in hopes that fans will get back in the ballpark next year and then come at the end of 2021, we'll go full bore to put on the table what it is that we want when it comes to re-upping on this collective bargaining agreement. If the players don't want to do so, then so be it. And unfortunately... It's going to have to fall on him and it's not going to be a good optic for a guy who has done pretty well since Bud Selig stepped down and he's been a very good commissioner ever since then. But now comes his watershed moment and it's not going to look good at the end if he has to kowtow to the players to say, okay, here's your 100% and here's 66 games. Can we now get to our respective cities or get to wherever the destinations may be to get spring training underway and have a season start in the middle or even late July. So that's not going to be a good look on them. You would think for this year as peculiar, as unusual, and certainly uncertain as it's been, this is how it's going to have to be done. And unfortunately, the players, they're not going to look at it and say, you know what? Not to say that we have to give back because they feel like they give back so much for whatever that reason. But they are standing pat. 
and standing as tall as they possibly can. It's going to be up to Rob Manfred to be the guy to have to blink here and hope that whatever it is that he's going to try to convey to the owners as far as getting a season underway to give the players what they want, then chances are you're not going to see baseball this year. And the owners are going to hate that. They are. But you know what? The ball is literally in Rob Manfred's hand. Now, what is he going to do? Is he going to groove them a 90-mile-an-hour straight fastball for them to hit it out of the ballpark? Chances are that's what it's going to have to be. Or will the owners get in Rob Manfred's ear by hook or by crook over my dead body, throw that 3-1 breaking ball that's certainly going to have the players buckle at the knees and then not have a season? I think it's going to be the 90-mile-an-hour fastball if there's going to be a season. And they're going to have to bite the bullet on this. But we'll see what's going to take place. I'm sure as I'm talking right now here on a late Monday morning, they're probably hunkered in some office and I would think a proposal will probably be brought out here in the next, who knows, few minutes. It'd be just my luck. There have been times here in doing this podcast in the morning that literally halfway through editing, I'll look at ESPN or check on one of the sports websites and then I'll see, oh, breaking news, ABC, XYZ. And I'm like, geez, they couldn't have waited another hour. They could have posted this while I was on the air so I could at least talk about it. So we'll certainly take the temperature as we move along here, but uh, it certainly doesn't look like there's going to be any light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to the players and owners. And again, Mr. Manfred, this is all on you, my guy. We'll see how that uh, unfolds. Now, the second thing that I found very fascinating here over the weekend was the NBA and everything had been pretty much smooth sailing. When you look at the phone call a few weeks ago, Chris Paul talking with Adam Silver and saying that most of the players or just about all the players do want to play and that they're looking forward to Whatever, whatever it is that they have to do, they were looking forward to completing a season and crowning a champion. But then, as we know, over the last three and a half weeks or so, everything that's taken place in this country, whether it was in Minneapolis with George Floyd, and then the situation that happened in Atlanta on Saturday night with Rayshard Brooks, where you have another African-American succumb to police brutality. On Friday, Kyrie Irving, who I understand a lot of people don't want to hear from, but is a prominent player in the league and is a voice that a lot of people will look to and respect. There was a call of, I believe, roughly 100 players throughout the NBA. And he had detailed a bunch of different questions, not necessarily just the main one, which I'll get to in a minute, but he had a lot of questions in reference to not only restarting the season, but playing in this bubble in Orlando all the rules, regulations, the protocols, everything that's going to encompass trying to complete this season. But then one of the things that came up on his end was that he had a question of whether or not the players should play in this climate and everything that's happening with African-Americans in this country. And part of the reason being was that he feels as if by playing basketball, although it will be a respite, although it will be a way for people to escape a little bit, but that's his point. 
because he doesn't want people to escape from what's going on here in the country. And not remember, not everybody's a basketball fan. So you got to take that with a grain of salt. And that's not being insensitive towards anything or anyone that's going on out there. But I do get his point of him saying that they want to continue to put their foot on the gas. They don't want to let up for two months, let alone for two days, to see the outrage and everything that's just taking place here over the last three and a half weeks. And remember, this isn't just the last three and a half weeks, people. This has been going on for decades upon centuries upon centuries. So it's more of a big picture thing than it is just the last three and a half weeks. And I can understand that. When something happens, it's easy to go ahead, full steam, and try to either get your message across or whatever platform that you choose to do. It's such a hot button topic that it's easy to have that energy there the first couple of days, the first week, the first two weeks, whatever. But with something like this, this is relentless. You can't let your foot off the gas. You can't say, all right, well, we've got our message across. Okay, now it's time to lean back. No, they can't do that. And part of this conference call was Kyrie for all the other things I mentioned earlier as far as the bubble and the protocols, etc. But for the reason of the players playing again, that this could be a deterrent for the African-American community and for everything that's been going on here. You know what? I happen to agree. Now, I know a couple of minutes ago, like I said, not everybody's a basketball fan, even though someone like myself will still watch the games, but I'm certainly not going to ignore what's going on as far as the social injustice and the police brutality that we've seen time and time again. But that's one of the things he's worried about, and I'm sure a lot of the players and quite a few players have even felt the same. George Hill, for instance, who's on the Buck team, who had the best record in the NBA, who has a very good chance of going and winning an NBA final. Mind you, George Hill was on that Cavalier team two years ago with LeBron James that lost to the Golden State Warriors. So I'm sure as much as, and he's been a veteran in this league for a long time, I'm sure he wants to win an, an NBA championship. But just knowing that it's going to be hard to go back considering what's taking place here, he feels as if that's going to take more precedence from him for him than going back on a basketball court and trying to win a championship. And you know what? You can't knock him for that. So you have that scenario to deal with. And even on top of that, I know the NBA executive director, Michelle Roberts, with this conference call, she did mention that, and I quote, it was not a question of play or not play. So that's the thing. So if you're wondering whether or not that the players, with everything that's going on, that they don't want to play and just say, to hell with it, I don't care, forget about my paycheck, I'd rather be out protesting or setting up various funds for, or, or I should say against police brutality for African-Americans, etc. It's not a question of that. But going back to her quote, she says, it's a question of does playing again harm a movement that we absolutely unequivocally embrace and then whether our play can in fact highlight, encourage, and enhance this movement. And they said they're not fighting it, they're just talking about it. And you can understand that. I mean, how could you not? Now, the part of the reason is, is that if these players do not want to go back upon their own volition, of course, they're not going to get paid. And I'm sure they will try to do something. I'm sure the union would step in to say, well, listen, they understand that he's doing this, but he, is there any way, you know, they want to have some sort of support here. Now, I don't know what's in the collective bargaining agreement. I'm sure that if a player is not going to play, that has nothing to do with his health, 
I can understand this being a personal matter to a lot of players in the league, but I don't know what's collectively bargained. Does that mean in a situation where if the country has a civil unrest that if he needs to step away, does him being paid cover that? I don't know. So you have a lot there just with wanting to get to the point where you get all the players down in Orlando. And I understand that's another issue too. Because remember, a lot of these teams aren't going to be there for the whole two and a half, three month duration. Because if the NBA is going to start July 31st and they say that game seven of the NBA finals would take place October 12th. So you're talking two and a half months. Remember, all those teams aren't going to be there the full two and a half months. But the thing is, is that knowing that there's going to be at least two teams there until sometime in October, is it fair to have these players live in this bubble and not be able to go out to a restaurant, not be able to go out and stretch their legs if they want to after a game, that they may have to just go from the arena where they're playing straight to their hotel, wait for food service to come up and drop them off food, that they can't even go work out on their own or they can't even go for a run or they can't, whatever it is. But unfortunately, this is the world we live in. As I said earlier, the numbers have spiked up. And granted, they're going to be in a bubble. So it's not like they're going to be in contact with the general public. But that's the point. These players are almost going to feel like they're trapped, that they can't go anywhere, that they're going to be isolated, that they're going to have too much time to think, too much time on their hands. They're going to see what's going on in the news. They're going to want to maybe go out and protest. They're going to want to do something about it. And they can't because they're in the middle of a playoff series where they're sequestered in this one particular remote area and they can't do anything about it. And it's an interesting point, and it's one that I'm sure is going to spark a lot of controversy. But at the same time, if you're an NBA player, and you know you've played, practiced your whole life just to get to a point to win a championship, and then have to deal with the real world as far as everything that's going on, which path do you choose? I'm sure there's a balance that could be made because remember it's not only going to be sequestered there a lot of these teams for the whole two and a half months and even if you're a guy like LeBron James who's everybody knows is one of the biggest voices not only just in the NBA but in the sporting world but I'm sure in between games or whatever whatever message that he wants to send he'll be able to send it and there'll be a time and place I'm sure after that for him to do so but it's tough it's a tough spot So right, if you're a Kyrie Irving or if you're a guy like even George Hill for that matter who your heart's not 100% in it because you feel like there's bigger coconuts to crack then you know what? Hey, it's his life. That's what he wants to do. He may not get paid for it based on what's in the collective bargaining agreement and based on what's in his contract but he has the right to to do whatever he wants. Now the other thing that came down the pike this weekend was that The virus tests are going to be every other day. So that was announced and has been put out there. I don't know, considering now that Florida, more so South Florida than Central Florida, but because the numbers have certainly risen to heights that go back to even the beginning of this pandemic, because in Florida, although there have been cases, but now they've been higher than they've ever been since March. When you have NBA players that wants to get down there, and again, it's still not going to be for another month, but you also have to look at it from that standpoint. It's like, okay, well, the players are going to be treated every other day with tests where we have people that can't even go 
to a hospital or they can't go to some sort of center to get a test. So you have that issue you're going to have to deal with. I understand it's not for another month or so because you would think the players, if the season's going to start July 31st and they're going to have some sort of retraining camp, for lack of a better word, you would think it's probably going to be sometime after the 4th of July leading up to the 31st. But that's also another thing that the NBA may have to deal with here when it comes to testing and having players test every other day, whereas the average Joe who has been quarantined for 14 days because of the coronavirus, but he can't get a test because, not to say all the NBA players are going to have him, but you get my point. I tell you, it's, and this is the thing, how these other sports are going to survive, and even more so baseball, because the NHL, which has been quiet here, and they're going to open up their training camp July 10th, and they're going to start sometime in August, which I'm going to get to in a little bit, but with the NHL and NBA having these hubs to play and continue and complete their seasons, baseball, how, how are you going to do that? There's no way that they could possibly have a hub. You know, it's not as if you're going to have a bunch of fields. Now, I guess maybe they could do so at some remote area in the Midwest or who knows? I don't even think they're going to do that. And that's also the other issue here, as I've said before, with baseball getting ramped up again. And I'm not even going to get into football because football, we still got some time between now and then. But this is the risk as I've, if you've listened to podcast past, check the receipts. Bubble or no bubble, this is still a roll of the dice. And all it takes is one person. Just one. And you could have 1,600 people at a bubble and the same amount of workers at the hotel, they could be the same people. And they just rotate shifts, so I don't know how they're going to do it. But right, even have to control the people that are going to be outside of the bubble because those people, they're going to have to go home. What do you think? They're going to stay in the same hotel? The chefs, the concierge, the bellboys, they have a home to go to. They have families. Does that mean that they're also going to be, I don't want to say trapped, but they're also going to be part of this bubble where they're not going to be able to leave for the next two and a half months? I mean, you wouldn't think so. But what if they come in contact with somebody? Or I'm sure they're going to have to sign a waiver to say, listen, or you could just go home and come to work and that's it. I tell you, man, it's... I don't want to come across sounding depressed and sounding as if, oh, geez, these seasons aren't going to be completed and baseball is just a disaster. It certainly sounds that way, and I get it. But with nothing else on and with everything just still hanging in the balance, I mean, what more can I tell you guys? I wish I could paint a rosy picture to say, yep, here's the hard date for the NHL. Here's the hard date for the NBA. They're going to have games, of course, with no fans. We're going to have a champion on October 12th and the NHL somewhere in mid-October. The NFL is going to kick off fine. College football, all these tournaments, where the, whether it's tennis, golf, etc. But sorry, I don't have a crystal ball, people. I just got to, as I can't stress that enough. All I try to do is come across as real as possible. And not only that, but also as objective as possible. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, there's not going to be a season. All these players, why are they wasting their time? No. As I like to say, my opinions and analysis are what you come for, but at the same time, part of it is is that not only it comes to a place from my heart, but also it's credible. And as long as I do that, and I feel like I have done that for now 137 episodes, that's what's going to bring you back. Because if I'm just going to have one stupid rant or slant on things that 
it may make some sense, but at the same time, it's just out of left field, then what's the point? So as much as I want to tell you guys that things are going to be fine, that the seasons are going to kick off well, that baseball, all right, there's a little bit of a rift here, but we're going to get the 50-some-odd games or 60 games, which I think at the end of the day, we still will. But obviously, you have not seen a direction going north, especially with baseball. And then now you have the situation with the NBA players. And who knows how that's going to shake down here over the next few weeks leading into July, especially when it comes to Orlando. So all we got to do is just kind of, like we've been doing for the last three plus months, is just hold our collective breaths and hope that everything does get better and that we could somehow, some way, be able to watch some of these games and just kind of exhale and hope that everything else will just fall into place. And also one other thing, I mean, I know this is maybe minor, but the Spurs who are on the outside looking in, but of course are going to be one of the teams invited to Orlando to restart their season. They're not going to see LaMarcus Aldridge who had shoulder surgery in April and will not participate in the postseason. So if you're a Spur fan thinking that, hey, wait a second, maybe we may have a shot to shock the world and go deeper than we thought. Well, you're going to not do it with your, arguably your best player on the team. So for the Spur fan out there, uh, certainly a big loss there when it comes to one of your key players on your team if you're looking to make a push to the playoffs. And as far as the NHL goes, nothing yet on the hub cities and I get that they have to take the temperature of these cities that they talked about, the Edmontons, Vancouver's, Vegas, Pittsburgh, Carolina, Los Angeles. Forget that because this thing is literally day to day. But you would think they would try to narrow it down a little bit because if they could, and I'm sure they have been monitoring this, but if they can at least kind of pinpoint, all right, these are our four cities that we're targeting here based on the numbers, based on, COVID being a little bit lower, whatever. Because they did announce that July 10th is when they're going to restart training camp and then start the postseason in August. And who knows if that means that they're going to do it in their respective cities and then travel to those hubs. Do you think that's what's going to be the case? And I get that they have some time here. But part of the uncertainty... And part of the reason, as I just said two minutes ago, and I'm not going to go down that road again as far as the negativity goes, I understand that the uncertainty of not knowing where these hubs are going to be kind of leaves the fan out clueless to say, okay, we still have time, but just to get an overall sense or just to be able to say, okay, well, these are the cities that they've chosen. Yeah, on a broad scale they have, but they haven't even come close to narrowing it down. And I understand day to day, so people could say, well, Jay Reels, don't be contradicting yourself if you're going to say, It's day-to-day, but hey, give us where at least the top four hubs are going to be. Understood, but at the same time, don't you want to know, just like with baseball, what are they planning to do here, even though they're on two different continents right now? I mean, at least as a fan, I'd want to know. I mean, please, they could throw out 20 hubs, and okay, well, they got 20. Well, can we narrow it down? We know that maybe the Northeast Pittsburgh is not going to work too much because it's close to New Jersey, it's close to New York, and we all know what's been taking place here, although the numbers have gone down. Or even Carolina, where South Carolina's got a spike. And knowing that in North Carolina, if they were to use North Carolina as a hub, maybe, uh, well, we've got to scratch that out. And I understand things could change a month from now, but we could somehow, some way narrow it down a little bit, can't we? 
That's my point. So with the NHL, that's what you have there. I mean, other than that, you don't have anything much to say. I know a lot of the players that have been injured during that time, right before the pandemic, I'm sure a lot of them are raring to go and have just about 100%. And as I said before, people, same with the NBA and the NHL, the play is going to be compromised to the hilt. You're going to see some sloppy play. You're probably going to see some players gas because they could be in the best shape in the world, but they're not going to be in game shape. And even with three weeks of a training camp or a month or whatever it is that they're going to use, once we get started here, you're probably going to see some sloppy play. Now, as time goes on, I'm sure it's going to get better. And what's even going to be more fascinating is that in the NHL, those 5 through 12 teams that are going to be the first wave, that first round, best of five, they're going to have a leg up on the teams that are one through four. And it's going to be reminiscent, if you ask me, it's similar to the NFL where you have the wild card round that first weekend that are already going to have a game under their belt before they go play the one and two seeds of the divisional round. And again, NFL is only one game. NHL is a best of five. And in this case, would be best of seven after that first round. But don't be surprised if you see some major upsets. And as it is, you would see major upsets in the NHL no matter what, whether it's a one through eight or two versus seven, et cetera. But just something just to keep in mind as, let's say, a team like the Canadians. Let's say if they beat the Penguins in five and then they'll play the top seed in the Boston Bruins in the Eastern Conference in seven games. And next thing you know, Canadians, and they know the Bruins very well, they're up three games to one or let's say three games to two in a best of seven. Because the Bruins haven't been able to get out of the gate. And obviously Montreal has some momentum playing in one round, playing against competition with the Bruins. And maybe it's going to take them two or three games to get their sea legs and get some momentum going where the Canadians have already had a head start. So something to keep in mind there as, although it's still another couple months away, but when it comes to the play and the competition and teams that are probably going to be a little bit behind, the NHL is going to be, at least those first two rounds are going to be fascinating to watch. So, All right, let me go through a few quickies here before we uh, say goodbye. I'll try to run them real quick. But I'm going to go NFL. Then I have another baseball thing I forgot to mention earlier because to me it's more about getting the game back on the field than some of the other things I wanted to discuss. But NFL, you have a coach who's gone on record to say that he's going to kneel with his players, which I'm sure if you're an owner, or in this particular case, the son of Bob McNair who passed away a couple of years ago. Okay, I know he's now the in charge, the man in charge down in Houston. But I'm sure his oatmeal with blueberries didn't go down well yesterday morning or this morning when he read that Bill O'Brien's going to kneel with his players and says it's only right that he's going to be there for his team, etc. And I said this last week in the podcast, check the receipts again, that players throughout the league, they're going to do this. This isn't going to be a, an isolated thing a la Colin Kaepernick. This isn't going to be a thing where they're going to do it for one game. This is going to be the whole season. And especially if this thing continues to perpetuate. And obviously, we haven't seen any signs of it stopping. If you haven't been paying attention to news, as I just mentioned earlier, but what happened in Atlanta on Saturday night, and we all know what happened in Minneapolis last month. I mean, this is going to, uh, it's reverberated uh, unlike any other. So for Coach Bill O'Brien of the Houston Texans to say that he was going to join forces with, a player, with his players in doing so, uh, kudos to him. I'm not a fan of his. If you've listened to the podcast before, he's a guy that, to me, despite 
his team's making it to the playoffs. Part of that's a weak division, but at the same time, they never do anything in the big game. And he's a big part of that. But he's going to do that and good for him. And I'm sure maybe a few other coaches may do so throughout the league to be on board with their players. I don't know how the owners feel about this. Not one owner has come out and said anything about it. If they were smart, they would do so. I know Jerry Jones, the Cowboys owner, has come under some fire as far as, uh, I won't go as far as saying racism, but yeah, there he hasn't really said much. And he's a guy that Jerry Jones, he's never been a microphone he didn't like. And he hasn't come out and said anything about it. So it does make you wonder, you know, the saying what's been going on, silence is violence. So that's something you got to take into consideration there. I know Baker Mayfield said he was going to kneel. And that was through a Twitter war that he had with one of the fans where one of the fans pleaded. It's like, oh, please, Baker, don't say you're going to do this. And he's like, I'm going to do it. And good for him. I'm not a big fan of his either. But, and you're going to see this across the board. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's no if ands, buts, maybes about it. Like I highlighted last week, Adrian Peterson he said he's kneeling, and he said he knows of other players that are going to be kneeling. So, this is, uh, and I'm glad. Good. And the owners, they can't do anything about it. What are they going to do? All right, now to my uh, couple of quickies here. One, I know I didn't say this last week, but Rache Caldwell was a wide receiver who played University of Florida and was also on those Patriot teams, especially the one in 2006 when they lost to the Colts there in that AFC Championship. He was killed last week in Tampa. And as I've said time and time again, it seems like in the world of sports, boy, they get, they're getting the brunt of a lot of these untimely, unfortunate deaths here. And police said it was a homicide. They say it was a great guy, but I guess got involved with some shady characters or got involved in something that he shouldn't have been doing and therefore was uh, murdered. Not by the police, so that's something that we could uh, at least not have to worry about. But nonetheless, he is no longer with us, so thoughts, prayers go out to his family. Excuse me, and you also have a situation in Minnesota with the Vikings where Dalvin Cook's going to hold out. He wants to get a new deal. Now, I don't know if he said, I think maybe there was a point where I thought he said that he wasn't going to do that, that he was going to show up and play his last year. But considering he's one of the top running backs in the league, and we all know running backs after a certain age just aren't the same players. And when you look at what happened in recent years, whether your name is Todd Gurley, whether your name is Ezekiel Elliott, guys like that who have gotten big paydays, he feels as if with one more year left on his rookie contract that he's going to go in there and try to get all the coin and secure the bag as quick as he possibly can. So that's something to keep an eye on if you're a Viking fan as they have big heights to get to a Super Bowl this year, considering their window and Kirk Cousins, etc. I know a couple of things that I mentioned with the baseball. I'll just say it quickly. I didn't watch the Sosa McGuire documentary last night on ESPN. To me, why relive that? We all know it's a fraud. We all know it's a sham. I get there may be some tidbits in there that I may not know or may not even have thought of at the time. But everybody got wrapped up in that. Did I follow it? Of course. I'm a sports fan. I did. But I wasn't like, wow, look at McGuire. Wow, look at Sosa. And then when you find out after the fact what took place, I mean, please. I mean, it's the biggest farce going. So maybe somewhere down the road I'll watch that. But I did not turn it on. Uh, In fact, I actually was changing the channel. And I saw it for two minutes. But I had the volume off. So, or I had it muted, I should say. So I didn't even pay attention to that. So that's number one. The other thing is I know Alex Cora came out 
with a few statements the other day as far as his part with the 2017 Astro scandal saying that, yes, he knows that his hands were dirty throughout it all, but to place all the blame on him, he said it was unfair and didn't want to throw anybody else under the bus, but he did come out and say that if they're going to pin everything on me, then they're sadly mistaken based on the investigative report, Major League Baseball, that despite the fact that he knows he's guilty as charged, but it just wasn't all, he wasn't the ringleader throughout that uh, championship season. And then you had the golf yesterday, which concluded the Charles Schwab in Fort Worth, Texas, where Daniel Berger wins a playoff on the first hole over Colin Morikawa. I didn't watch one second of this. I know that this was a an event where social distancing, no fans, an actual tournament where you could if you're a sports fan you could sink your teeth into and and I like golf and I'll report on the majors you know when the Masters comes I'm on top of that same with the US Open the PGA the British but the Charles Schwab listen I'm not that desperate for sports I mean I am I want to see the legitimate sports NASCAR same thing no offense my guys out there I can understand there's people in certain regions come on Jay Reeves got to talk about NASCAR now listen you had the one guy who quit because of the Confederate flag which I'm not even gonna give him the time of day but Still, NASCAR isn't, it doesn't, it's regional. If NASCAR was here in New York or if they had it somewhere near, I'm sure, would I get into it? Probably wouldn't, but at least maybe I'd have a propensity to say, well, you know what, let me stay on top of it considering it's it's in my backyard. It's not the case. So when you have NASCAR that's going on and even golf, where they've been in the mix here as far as a sport that you could actually watch that's legitimate, Sorry, it just didn't attract my eyeballs to the set to do that. So, And for those who are expecting me to have a detailed opinion or analysis on either one of those two sports, I'm sorry, I don't. And that goes the same for the MMA, although I'm more on top of MMA than NASCAR, that's for sure. And like I said, if golf was a major, all over it. But like I said, as much as I haven't talked about games and it seems like forever. It's not as if I'm salivating to say, oh, yeah, let me watch this golf tournament to see who's going to perform here. And as we saw there at the end, you didn't have any of the top names. You didn't have the Dustin Johnsons. You didn't have the Justin Thomases, the Rory McIlroys. They weren't even anywhere near the top of the leaderboard. So that's what you have there with the golf. And uh, also one other thing before my hero in zero of the week, tennis. Roger Federer is going to be done for 2020 with a right knee injury. And the reason why I bring that up is because a lot of these tournaments have been pushed forward. Now, we know no Wimbledon, which would have taken place at the end of the month if everything was to be scheduled accordingly. But you still have the U.S. Open, which right now, the USTA hasn't really said much. They're still holding out hope whether they could have the event take place out in Flushing Meadow. There's still a little bit of time there. Who knows if they're going to be fans. I believe they had over 750,000 fans come through those gates last year. Obviously, that may not be the case. Chances are it won't. But you still have that. You have the French Open that's going to take place, I believe, the following week or two weeks after that. So you're going to have two tennis tournaments. But Roger Federer said, let me rest my knee up. I'll come back for the Australian in late January. And we'll take it from there. So, And Roger Federer is going to be 40. And we know it's the all-time... Winningest men's tennis player as far as the Grand Slams concerned. I believe he has 20 and then Nadal has 19 where I believe Novak Djokovic has 18. 
So he's going to give it another go and he feels his best just to sit it out this year so he can rehab and get 100% healthy for next year. All right, now to get to my hero and zero of the week. My hero of the week is Lonnie Walker the fourth. And if you're wondering who is Lonnie Walker the fourth, he's a guard on the San Antonio Spurs who was drafted a couple of years ago, University of Miami. And recently he had cut his hair that he had grown since the age of five. And one of the reasons why he cut his hair is to shed a lot of the abuse that he took as a kid, more so sexual abuse. I don't know if it was a close relative. I don't know if it was an immediate relative. Uh, I just, that didn't peruse the story, but just knowing that he had gone through that. And here's a guy who in San Antonio, after certain protests, especially in light of George Floyd's death, he went out to the community, cleaned up, passed out water, was doing the right thing. And that in its own right is worth him being a hero. But for him to cut his hair that he had grown for the last 16 years and talk openly about what he experienced as a child as far as abuse is concerned, in particular sexual abuse, kudos to you, my guy. I love people who, you know, that's the one thing about athletes. We look at them and they we exalt them, and rightfully so, because we admire their talents, we admire what they do. But when you have a human story like that, man, it just hits home. So Lonnie Walker the fourth, you're my hero of the week. And my zero of the week, and this one is a layup, people. And I didn't even know about this until I read it, but James Dolan and Madison Square Garden. Two weeks ago, they said that they were not going to release a statement in reference to the scenario in Minneapolis, as I've said time and time again throughout the course of this podcast. Said it was no need to do so. We're going to just hang back, lay low, etc. So then they actually release a statement eight days later. So last Tuesday, talking about the whole social injustice, police brutality, etc., etc. And to think that in that statement was the most hollow, the most weak sauce, the most bland, vanilla statement you could possibly say. I mean, nobody's saying you have to write 15 paragraphs. But they literally wrote three sentences and it was just the most mundane, just out of this world. Like, what were they thinking? Again, they must be in bed with Major League Baseball or maybe their PR departments are the same because, as I said last week, it took Major League Baseball three days to release a statement after all the other sports leagues did so in light of what happened in Minneapolis. And then now for MSG and James Dolan to say, no, we're not going to release a statement. And then they end up releasing a statement and it's just some half-ass and I guess you got to give them credit that they finally came out but if they were going to come out with that they shouldn't have come out with anything at all and it just showed not only MSG but more so James Dolan's true colors you my guy are my zero of the week all right and that will do it another one in the books grateful and thankful to have this platform to have this microphone to share my thoughts my opinions, analysis, whatever wisdom I can, because at the end of the day, people, it's all about prospering and moving forward and making sure that we could be as mentally stable, as physically fit. And Lord knows, they're not going to confuse me with Mr. Olympia, but my point of the matter is, is that just to try to maintain that positive mind frame throughout everything that's going on. And I know it's, it's tough. If you're out of work and if you turn on the TV and look to see what's on the news or if you open up your 
social media feeds and all you see is just the atrocities that are out there and the negativity and it's just tough to run away from, just make sure that you take some solace or at least take some minutes out of your day to just disconnect and then in turn to reconnect and get yourself started in the right direction. And that's what I try to say at the top and that's what I'm saying right now. So go ahead and do that, people. And uh, hopefully we could take a big, giant, collective breath and just move on to bigger and better things. So with that said, I truly appreciate you all. Grateful, thankful for your participation, for downloading and listening to this content, whether you're a first-timer or someone who's been with me for now 137 episodes. But what I ask of you and what I ask of everybody every week is to please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast among all the other ones that are out there because all that's going to do is just increase the visibility of this podcast with the plethora of not only just sports podcasts but podcasts in general. And wherever you get your podcasts, whether you get them on Apple, Google, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Luminary, or any other platform that you get your podcast from, if you could go ahead and do that, because all that's going to do is generate interest with those outside to get the guests in. Because as I like to do every Monday is give you an assessment, State of the Union of Sports, and then later on in the week, I'll bring you that guest, whether it's the former athlete, current athlete, the sports writer, broadcaster, blogger, whomever it may be. And if you go ahead and put your stamp, leave your rating, post that review, I would sincerely appreciate it. Also, you can check out the website at www.jreels.com to check more on myself, my upcoming shows, updated the bio a little bit, also got a little media credit in there that you'll take a look at. So if you could uh, visit the site, I would appreciate it. And then on top of that, For any questions, comments, criticism, praise, and I'm still looking for more questions, people, because next Thursday I'm going to have an Ask Me Anything podcast, which I was planning to release two Thursdays ago, but felt it wasn't right with everything that was going on. So if you could do so at any of my social media accounts, whether it's J Reels or the J Reels podcast on Instagram, J Reels one, just a number on Twitter, the J Reels podcast on my Facebook fan page, and the old-fashioned way by email at the J Reels podcast at gmail.com. So please send me any questions, comments, criticism, praise, whatever it may be. I'll be sure to follow up with you guys because as you all know, I've been here now for two plus years and going on 140 podcasts. So I'm not going anywhere. And I appreciate you guys sticking with me, standing by me to listen to everything that I have to say about what's going on in the world of the diamond, the world of the ice, the world of the gridiron, the world of the hardwood, the golf course, racetrack, tennis court, you name it. From my lips to your ears, from my heart to your soul, from where I am to wherever you are, the J Reels podcast always comes correct, direct, and in full effect. From the South Bronx, the South Beach, the South Central, the South Pacific, and all points beyond, peace, love, and God bless everybody. I'll see you Thursday, midweek, as I deliver a special guest. That'll be Kevin McClellan, former NHLer, the four-time Stanley Cup champion of the Edmonton Oilers dating back to the 1980s. A very interesting podcast, a very interesting guest conversation etc you won't want to miss that especially for the hockey lover and the fight fan lover like i am until then everybody be safe be well stay strong always get it and until then on the flip baby